I am excited to share with us today part two of our series called Launch. And in this 12-part series, we are taking a look at the beginnings of the church. Um, this is uh, the time period right after Jesus had died, rose again, and demonstrated powerfully that he had rose from the dead. And then he told his disciples to go into Jerusalem to wait until they are endued with power from on high. Do you remember earlier on, Jesus had said that if he didn't go, then the Holy Spirit was not able to come. Well, he wanted them to go and to wait. And so last week in part one, we took a look at that moment when the day of Pentecost had come and Jesus um, sent the Holy Spirit and it came in power. It came like a mighty rushing wind. People began to speak in tongues and other languages and Peter stood up on that day and explained that this was not, um, you know, something that they, some were saying that they were drunk on wine and everything. And they said, these people are not drunk. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. I was promised by the prophet Joel. And so today we're going to be looking at the next chapter, Acts 3 and Acts 4. And we're going to watch as the church is becoming more and more bold because they have been been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we're calling the message today, Boldness 101. Boldness 101. We're going to be looking at a few lessons in the boldness that's available to you and me as we walk according to the Holy Spirit. Um, but this is what happens. And then we're going to be, the, the message points are really going to be taking a look at the dialogue that took place after this miracle. So let's just read what happened. Acts 3, 1 through 10 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So we find here this confidence, this boldness that Peter has, sees someone begging for um, money or food or something to help him through his day, had been coming there. We find later on in the scripture that he was 40 plus years old, so and he had been in this crippled state his entire life. So he was no stranger to begging for sustenance and life, and he's been doing it. And here we find Peter taking this bold step to not give him money, 
not to give him food, but to give him a healing in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. So we're going to take a look now at this boldness now being used in the dialogue as people are trying to figure out what happened. Um, they're, they're confused. Now there's all kinds of people that are just amazed. How could this miracle be? And uh, the Jewish leaders are seeing this as a threat to their role, their leadership. And so there's some dialogue we're going to take a look at. Um, Babe Ruth said this, um, pro baseball player back in the day. He said, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. Um, it's hard to beat a person who never gives up. And uh, you and I, as we're taking a look at this message and we're going to be engaged in boldness 101, I'd like for us to have this prayer. Lord, give me this boldness. Give me this thing inside of me that doesn't give up. Um, and so let's take a look. The first boldness lesson I see is for the sake of a greater cause. It's a reason that someone would walk in boldness is because they've come to this conclusion that there's a greater cause. They do it for the sake of a greater cause. We're going to find some other reasons why people do this as we go through our boldness lessons. But the first one is for the sake of a greater cause. Um, have you ever watched someone, maybe you've said it yourself, when you are bringing someone a message that is someone else's message to, to give and you're just the messenger and you know it's going to be news that people don't want to hear and you say, you know, don't shoot me. I'm just the messenger. Um, basically, I'm not the one responsible for this. This is someone else who's made this decision. It's someone else who's decided this. I'm just the messenger. Well, as we um, do stuff for God, we need to realize that we are merely the messengers. We are merely the conduit for which something can happen, but it's really God who does it. And Peter is very bold to make that statement. Um, that it's not him that does it. Let's read what uh, in this explanation in Acts 3, 12 and verse 16. We're going to read these two verses. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this, this miracle? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? Skipping to verse 16, through faith in his name, Jesus's name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence, in the presence of you all. You see, G, uh, Peter says, it's not me. It's not my godliness. It's not my power that he has received this ability to walk in this healing. But it is in the name of Jesus that this happened. He was willing to very quickly say, it's not me, it's him. Elon Musk said this. We're going to give a few quotes today. Elon Musk said this. If something is important enough, even if the odds are stacked against you, you should still do it. If it's important enough, if the cause is great enough, no matter what's stacked against you, you should do it. You see, Peter had engaged in this healing for, for the sake of a cause, for the sake of healing, for the sake of people coming in contact with Jesus, coming in contact with the one who brings life. He engages in this miracle for the sake of the cause. Don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger. 
You are more bold to say it like it is when you're bringing the message of somebody else. Have you ever noticed that? When you're speaking on behalf of someone else, you are ready and willing to be more bold and more confident to say it because you aren't the one who's supposed to get the heat over it. It's the other person who's making the statement. This... um, this is seen quite evidently in the realm of gossip. You, you hear one thing about somebody else, you can't wait to, to pass that along, especially if it's some juicy rumor and it's not something you came up with, you've just heard about it, but man, you can't wait to make sure all of your friends know about it. You want to be the messenger in that situation. We are more bold to tell stuff that someone else's stuff because we feel less accountable, accountable for it. We, we, we are less accountable for this thing, so therefore we're willing to say it. And right now there's all kinds of online social media boldness that's going on. People are willing to say stuff because the accountability for their words is far less than it should be. And so people will say anything and they'll be as outlandish as possible and they'll say things to push buttons because the accountability is low. And, and they'll justify this because they'll say it's for the sake of the cause. I will say something because the cause is worth it. This I'm just the messenger concept can be leveraged for boldness in the kingdom of God. You see, we are able um, and even called to be ambassadors for the cause of Christ, not for your cause. Not for my cause. We are called to live for a greater cause. And when we do, when we live for the greater cause, it will bring about a boldness because we can walk in a confidence that the cause is worth it. Um, When we do this, we've got to keep in mind that we're following in the footsteps of the one who has the cause. That's Jesus Christ. And he says in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. And so we find here boldness lesson number one and and how this church grew and took off is there was this boldness for the greater cause that came over the disciples. Boldness lesson number two, for the sake of the principle. For the sake of the principle, people will step out in boldness merely out of principle, the principle of the matter. Here's a quote from Eleanor Roosevelt. She said, do what you feel in your heart to be right, for you will be criticized anyway. She talked about being a person of principle, realizing that you're never going to make everybody happy, realizing that you are going to um, die on some hill So you might as well make sure it's the right heel, that there's a principle involved. Be on the side of truth. And we find here in further dialogue that Peter had with those around him is that he brings out this um, concept of dying or, or engaging in ministry for the sake of the principle of it. For that which is right, for that which is true. Let's read Acts 4 and we're going to read 8 through 12. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to help a helpless man, by what means um, he has been made well? 
Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given by men by which we must be saved. Here we have this several sentence um, proclamation by Peter of standing up for that which is right and truth. Um, he here comes to the defense and he's taught of, of Jesus and he and he says, you know, you crucified this Jesus. You have killed him on a, a principle that you were standing on that was flimsy, that, that had no merit. He was an innocent man is what he's kind of, kind of saying here. But he's saying, but he was crucified for a cause, for a principle. And that principle is this, that there is salvation in no other name but his. He's there, he was declaring truth. And here we are on judgment this day because a good deed was done for this man who's ne who was for 40 years living crippled and now you see him walking. For the sake of principle, might we be emboldened? True to, there are two truths that are declared here. One is that a crippled man is now walking. This is the truth. This is the, what had everyone befuddled. There's the truth here now that there was a man who was crippled and now is walking. And the other truth is that Jesus was rejected by these people. He was raised from the dead. And it's by his name and his name alone that this miracle happened. Boldness is far easier to have when you are confident in the truth. Have you ever noticed that? When you can confidently know in your heart that you were standing up for truth, that which is true. This is true in a, in a, from a few different angles. One is that when you are living in the light, when you are a living above board, when you are living with all of your sins um, having been exposed, it's so much easier to walk in the light. And it's so much easier to walk with uh, this principledness. Realizing that you're not perfect, realizing that we are fallen humanity. When we walk in the light, when we're transparent with our lives, it helps us to be able to minister and be bold based on principle. Also, when you have to make a difficult call, when you've got to make a decision and, and one decision says that, um, man, this person is going to be hurt or this decision is going to be hard to make, but it's the right decision. Or we could go this way and, and it seems like less people are going to get hurt or I'm not going to get criticized as much, but you know deep in your heart it's the wrong decision and you're sitting there. And I want to encourage you when you decide to make a decision based on principle, based on truth, that which will um bear out over time, you can step out more confidently when you base your decisions on truth and principle. Have you ever heard the phrase, don't get caught with your pants down? That's what happens when you are caught in a lie, when you've caught with deception, when you've caught in a situation, it's embarrassing. I don't think that there's any surprise that God, when he was giving us the armor of God that we're supposed to put on, we find this in Galatians chapter six, that he called the, the piece, the garment that 
is related to truth as a belt to keep us from losing our pants, from being embarrassed. And the friends, I want to encourage you to minister and to walk emboldened because you're doing so under the principles of truth, that we walk out life, we do this life, we follow God in a principled, truth-oriented fashion. And that's what Peter's emboldened with here. He is equipped with the truth as he's talking about this healing that he's really under an investigation for. Let's take a look here at this last boldness lesson. Boldness lesson number three, for the sake of relationship. For the sake of relationship. You and I, we may um, you know, be able to be boldened for the sake of a, uh, you know, for the sake of principle or for the sake of a greater cause, but there's no greater motivator for boldness and stepping out into scary situations than for the sake of relationship. We would be called to determine our loyalty, determine whose authority we fall under and that we cheerfully choose to give, that we give our loyalty to someone. And let's see here because we find that's what Peter had done. Acts chapter 4 verse 17 through 20 says this, but so that it spreads no further among the people. This is the, um, um, these uh, rulers in, this, in the synagogue, the Jewish leaders are trying to figure out what to do to chastise these um, disciples for this miracle because all the people are believing in them at this point. It says, but so that this but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name, in the name of Jesus. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said this to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have have seen and heard. Basically, they're saying, if God told us to do this, we can't listen to you. If you do not agree with God, our allegiance, our loyalty falls with God. Are we to obey God or are we to obey you? Of all the motivators to be emboldened for, it's for the sake of relationship. It's for the sake of whose authority we fall under. Who you pick is pretty darn important. Who you pick to be loyal to. Who you pick to put your allegiance towards. Who you pick to listen to is vital. It's so important. When I am involved with pre-marriage counseling and two people that have fallen in love are choosing to get married, they're choosing to build a life together, I, I, I don't say this too freely to them, but inside I'm looking for the things that are going to become pitfalls in their life down the road. In, in a sense, I'm looking for ways to break them up. I'm looking for ways to make sure that they are making the best decision they can make because who you pick for marriage, it's supposed to be a lifelong decision. You better pick good. You better decide really well at the beginning who you're choosing to be loyal to because in any good marriage, there is loyalty. There's this sense of I belong to him or her, and they belong to me, and we have this covenant relationship that is for your entire life till death do you part. So, so who you pick is so important. Thankfully, 
God is the most trustworthy authority figure you could ever place your loyalty into. He is that which you can trust that he's going to make good, sound, righteous judgments every single time. That he is holy. That everything that God is doing is righteous and holy. Another thing we can trust about him is that he comes at things with love. He is the definition of love. He is for you, not against you. And so as you decide, I'm going to put my loyalty in him, my trust in him, we get emboldened to walk in his authority. We get emboldened to do things for his sake. We can trust that he's a God who provides. Donald Miller, he's an author, he said this, and this is a really great statement. It says, earthly love is temporal and slight, so it has to be given again and again in order for us to feel any sense of security. But God's love, God's voice and presence would instill our souls with such affirmation we would need nothing more and would cause us to love other people so much we would be willing to die for them. That's the kind of God that he is. He is so consistent. He's so solid. His, his uh, ways are, are so right all the time that we don't have to try to re-earn or re-figure out where we stand. We can trust, and it takes us to this point that we are willing to not only die for him, but for to die for that which he is calling us to, for the people around us. He is a God to be trusted. He's a God that we can put our loyalty into. Therefore, we can be bold. The end result of this miracle, this crippled man being healed, is that many, it says in, in Acts 4, 4, it says, many of those who heard the word that Peter was speaking, and the number of them came to be about 5,000. So if you remember last week's lesson in Acts chapter 2, we find that the number of followers went from a few hundred to now 3,000. And now after this miracle, Acts chapter 3 miracle, and the explanation of the miracle, now it says we're up to around 5,000. Nearly 2,000 people were became believers in Christ because of the boldness of Peter to speak to this guy who needed money and he gave him something different. He gave him something he really needed. He didn't address the felt need. He gave the real need that would take care of the felt need in time. And this boldness to do that and then the boldness to explain it to these leaders produced faith in others. Friends, as we are engaged in the expansion of the church, as we are engaged in the Great Commission, the things that you and I have been called to in the community that we live in, we need to walk with boldness. We need to walk with this anointing of God that we are not going to shy back from the opportunities, the divine appointments, the green light moments that God gives us. And whether you are going to decide um, what your motivator is going to be, if it's for the sake of a greater cause, if it's for the sake of that which is right, if it's for the sake of a loyalty to God, let all three of those be your motivators to step boldly out for God. And as you do, 
results are going to follow. Results like it says in Acts 4.4 that people believed in Jesus. There's nothing greater for us to live for. So may we engage, may we engage in the expansion of the kingdom of God and may we be so emboldened to walk in the gifts of the Holy Spirit under the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. What's your role in it? What's your role? Father, we pray in Jesus' name that you would embolden us as your church. Lord God, that you would give us the desire and the anointing upon our lives to walk according to your spirit, to step, Lord, into the moments when we see that beggar on the side of the road, when we see that one, O oh Lord, that you bring into our path that is in need and the Holy Spirit touches our hearts, Lord God, that we would be so bold to see a miracle happen and be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within. Lord God, would you embolden your church? Would you embolden every individual that's here? And it's only through your Holy Spirit that this can happen. We trust you completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being a part of launch number two, and we hope to see you next week.